What's up, honey? I'm Sadi Simone. For years, I was looking for a spiritual sanctuary, but never felt like I fit into the wellness space. I was so turned off by the idea that I had to fit into what spirituality should look like or should sound like, I carved out a niche of my own. By embracing my spiritual sassy nature, I became an embodied permission slip to allow others to do the same. Spiritually sass is owning where you fall on the many spectrums of life, living in the complex gray areas between normal and nonconformist. Whether you identify as plain vanilla or sparkly rainbow gelato, my community welcomes and celebrates you in all your delicious potential. This podcast is for people longing for an avant-garde awakening. On the Spiritually Sassy Show, we're going to explore and celebrate what it means to show up in your full power, feeling fabulous, looking fabulous, and making a fabulous impact together. One guest at a time, we're revolutionizing and redefining what it means to be spiritual in today's modern world. This episode is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. As I graduate myself, the health coaching certification has been a huge ally for me to be where I'm at today. Are you curious to learn more or thinking of kicking off a new chapter in your career? Head over to the show notes and click the link to get a delicious, massive discount of $2,000 off of your tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off if you use a payment plan. And my love, don't forget, you have to use my name as a referral to get this epic discount. And just in case you forgot, my name is Sa De Simone. Hello, my loves. Oh, my goodness. Here we are. Another week, another episode of the Spiritually Sassy Show. Oh, my goodness. Today's guest is Marley Liss. Oh my goodness. Marley's a central reclamation coach. She's a speaker, an author, and a restorative justice advocate. In today's episode, we get educated about the restorative justice system. And it's something that I didn't have language for, didn't even know of the, the, the correct language to address this. Um, Marley is queer, Jewish, sparkle-loving feminist, and a trailblazer. Marley made history in the justice system when her sexual assault case became the first in North America to conclude with restorative justice. I mean, honey, you, you are in for a treat today. Make sure you bring your pen and paper and get your shit educated, honey. Okay. Since then, uh, Marley has coached women internationally in reclaiming sensuality and embodied leadership. Marley has shared her voice via Forbes, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, and Mel Robbins' show. In addition to consulting for government officials working to end gender-based violence. Enjoy this epic episode. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh my fucking goodness, hunties. Are you ready for a new episode of the Spiritually Sasha Show? I hope you are, because today's episode is fucking epic. Marley has such an impeccable, iconic, truly legendary story. I don't know her personally, but I look forward to getting to know this impeccable being, someone who has such a profound story, someone who's worked with forgiveness as the catalyst of her transformation. So I'm so honored and grateful that you're here and you're willing to share your story with us. So hi welcome (laughs) thank you thank you so much for having me i'm so yes where are you by the way i just arrived in puerto mayarta like three days ago and it feels incredibly dreamy and like an instant home okay where is that it's in mexico right mexico yeah is it Um, in oaxaca it's near oaxaca it's on the west coast okay Epic. Well, let's dive in, honey. So first question that I ask every guest is, who are you right now? Yeah. Mm, who am I right now? I I feel like I think of my younger self and there's like a version of myself that was four years old and always wore this like sparkly blue Cinderella dress and just saw magic everywhere. And I feel like I'm the manifestation of her dream. Oh my goodness. Wow. When did you kind of land at this knowing that this is who you are in this moment? Yeah. I mean, life is so cyclical, right? Like I'm not always feeling that, but Mm -hmm. today I'm just basking in that energy of arrival. And I think um, coming out as lesbian in this past January, Mm -hmm. I feel like such a deep sense of homecoming and peace. Mm -hmm. And that and I'm just basking in it. Mm. was it hard coming out it was hard it's interesting because there's so many ways in my life that I'm privileged and I have a family that's very accepting and everything but there's still such Mm -hmm. deep deep internalized homophobia that I was experiencing I think the biggest thing for me especially and we'll obviously talk about it but so much of my life is around sexual has been around sexual wounding and healing sexual violence that's right And women-only spaces were always my safe space and my kind of getaway from having to even think about anything sexual. Mm -hmm. And so when I started feeling attracted to women, I was like, oh, no, like I'm bringing that energy into that space. And I had to really do a lot of deep healing to remember that sexual energy is innocent and it's love and there's nothing innately predatory or like sexualizing about it. Mm, wow. I love that language. Wow. I don't hear, we don't hear this often, you know, that sexual energy is innately innocent. Thank you for saying that. Um, so I want to dive into something that you said on Instagram, which I found very, very profound. You said, um, reflecting on a time in my life where I wanted to die and couldn't see past the hurt of sexual trauma. Can you expand on this for us, my love? Yeah. Well, so I experienced rape in 2016 and Mm -hmm. that was the biggest catalyst into my healing and into like 
deep, deep, deep depression. Mm-hmm. And I really, I think, I mean, obviously there's so many reasons to grieve sexual violence and there's so many reasons to feel pain around that. And for mm-hmm. me, it was so spiritual and global and it, it actually happened, that rape happened about two months before Trump was elected. And mm. I just had this global feeling like love had lost on the planet. And it was so... I have full body chills. Keep going. Ooh. Yeah. It was so, like, even talking about it, I'm like, I really felt, I was like, love has lost. Like, look how we're treating each other. Look how we're treating each other. And so... Mm. I, I kind of reached this point and obviously I'm summarizing a big friggin' journey into like a few minutes, but I got to this point mm-hmm. where I was like, I don't want to live in that world where we're hurting each other so much. And so I saw this fork in the road and I was like, I either um, take my life or I stay mm-hmm. And like Gandhi style, mm. be the change, like embody change, help create a new world, help help remind us and each other why we actually came here to be compassionate and everything. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the fork. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm still here and I'm sharing my story and everything and I'm loving my friggin' life mm-hmm. and myself. And so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I stayed obviously and I committed to that and I did mm-hmm deep and I continue to do deep healing work to to really mm-hmm. thrive but it's been a journey yeah mm-hmm. and you chose the you chose the path of restorative justice which is quite a quite an iconic and profoundly buddhist concept you know um so can you can you ex, like explain to the listener what that means and thank god for you for being so brave and so vulnerable in in your empowered vulnerability right where you mm-hmm. are so ah and i wish you guys could see what i'm looking at right now this beautiful clear eyes this bright smile oh my god honey so talk about restorative justice because that made the headlines across national media um for a while Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, wow, so restorative justice is rooted in indigenous, Jewish, and Mennonite practices, but you're so right, like the heart of it connects with so many like spiritualities and mystical sects mm-hmm. and all these things. And it's basically a system that pri- it's like looking at justice. It's mm-hmm. like let's prioritize repair mm-hmm. rather than punishment. So the punitive system as we probably know, like focuses on, well, how do we punish the perpetrator? How do we punish Mm -hmm. the bad guy? And it actually completely neglects the person who was hurt. It's like, we just need you to help us put this guy in jail. Mm -hmm. Kind of um, very dehumanizing. And Mm -hmm. I would, I would honestly say abusive, like Mm -hmm. my experience in that system was abusive. And then restorative justice to me is like Mm -hmm. what I was saying before of, well, let's freaking embody something different. Like mm-hmm. that, that punitive narrative, that dehumanizing narrative hasn't worked. So let's actually try to repair the harm. And mm-hmm. um, for me, what that process looked like practically mm-hmm. was, so I was going down the punitive path for three years because it's all I knew. Like I literally told a friend, my dear, mm-hmm. dear, dear friend after mm-hmm. rape, I knocked on her door and, and I told her and we Googled, what do you do after you're raped? Cause we didn't like, we didn't freaking know what to do. I wasn't in a clear space. And so it's like, go to the hospital, 
get a rape kit, report. And so I just kind of went through those motions and it was like, well, you can report and go down the punitive path or nothing. And I was I don't want nothing. I don't want to go mm-hmm. home and watch Netflix and pretend mm-hmm. this didn't happen. Like I want mm-hmm. some kind of justice. And so I reported and went through the punitive path for three years, did a preliminary trial. So that's basically mm-hmm. to see, is there enough evidence? Awful experience, like being on the stand, feeling like I'm the one on trial, being questioned, discredited. Uh... <sighs> yeah. And then so about a year after that trial, so three years total after the assault, I got subpoenaed for the criminal trial. And I was actually about to drop the charges. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. What's Mm. the point? Like best case scenario, air quotes, best case scenario. He goes to prison. He sits in a cell and gets more angry and more isolated and then comes out and does it again. Like what's, where does Mm -hmm. that, where does that end? That Mm -hmm. cycle Mm -hmm. of harm. Mm. And, um, so I was about to drop the charges and I said to a very close friend, I was like, mm. if it was my world, I said, if it was my world, I would sit down with this person, cry with them, ask them questions like what, what, this is one of my questions. What happened between the time a baby was born and a perpetrator was made? Mm-hmm. Share mm-hmm. the way I was impacted here mm-hmm. an apology Mm-hmm. And then focus on on healing and mm. moving forward. And she said to me, "So make it happen." And yeah, uh, <laughs> bless that guru. Oh my fucking goodness, bless that guru. Wow, wow, what an iconic, exceptional being. Oh my god, mm-hmm. keep going, keep going. I'm literally living full <laughs> body chills. Thank you for the transmission for me and for all the listeners. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that moment was like a fire under my ass. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. because I had never considered acting on it because, and I think all of us can relate to this in different ways. Like I had deemed my actual want and vision incompatible with this world, incompatible with the systems. I was like, I was like, no, this is too, um, like, uh, heart-based for mm-hmm. the justice system addressing mm-hmm. sexual violence. Like they'll, I never considered acting on it or asking mm-hmm. for it. I didn't know restorative justice existed mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so after she said that, I was like, wow, okay, I'm going to do some research. I started thinking of people I'd met along my healing journey, especially. Mm-hmm. And I remembered I had met this woman in while I was in Portugal and she was from Germany. She said to me like, Sometimes we do the things differently in the system here. And I just remember she said that. And so I asked her, I was like, what were you talking about when you said that? She said, well, look up restorative justice. Mm-hmm. And then I put in my Instagram story, does anyone know anything about restorative justice? And mm-hmm. someone answered me. They're like, I actually am connected with this lawyer you should talk to. They're an advocate for restorative justice. I reached out to the lawyer. Um, we set up a meeting with the prosecutors to go in and say, this is what we want. And, um, and this had never been done in, in North America before through the system. And so we went in and I was dressed like a total hippie chick at the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I just felt like, I mean, okay, well, it's interesting. And yeah, I can just keep going, but go, go, go. Keep going. My love. This is your stage. This is your stage. We're here to serve you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, 
we get into the room, this meeting with the, there's two prosecutors there because one of them was, had been on my case for years and the new one was being given my case. And mm -hmm. so they were just there to basically pass the case off. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we should probably both be in the room to pass it off. But it was so important that that happened because basically I said what I wanted. I came in, I went in and I was like, mm -hmm. this is what I want. And keep in mind, I, my voice felt so squished in that space, in the court system, anything related to this rape. I think that was my biggest sense of loss, my voice, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. right? Like my no wasn't heard. It wasn't mm -hmm. honored. It wasn't listened to. It had no power in that moment. And so that was my, one of my biggest wounds was like, I felt mm -hmm. like I lost my voice. And so to go into these prosecutors that it was hard for mm -hmm. me to see, like, it's hard for me to be like, sister, what's up? Like mm -hmm. they're in their costumes, they're in their outfits. So mm -hmm. uh, it was intimidating. And so I said, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, one of them was like, um, oh, you don't think you're capable of a trial? And I was like, no, I don't know. And, and very quickly, she's like, you're strong enough for a trial. We can do it. We'll move forward with the trial. Thanks for coming in. Mm -hmm. And my mm -hmm. lawyer was like, actually, we came in with a, with a vision and so I said we are for the high vision bitch mm, exactly mm. and you're gonna love this so much mm. so so when I said that when when my lawyer said that the other prosecutor who was supposed to just be sitting there handing off the case said mm. this is the language used well Marley what's your highest dream vision for for your justice outcome mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think about a prosecutor using that language wow she literally mm -hmm. asked me, what's your highest dream vision? Mm -hmm. your and when she said that, I feel like I was able to come back to my empowerment and clarity. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when I said, you know, I want restorative justice. I want my assailant in therapy. I want him to get help. I want him to be resourced and changing and unlearning all the trauma and patriarchal crap that got him here. Mm -hmm. And and I want to do the circle. I want to mm -hmm. do the circle. And um the, the other prosecutor who was not for it was very like, mm -hmm. um, like, no, that's not going to happen. That's not how we do things. Like rape equals bad equals prison, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dream vision one, her name's Kara. She was like, she was like, well, this, she actually said, this feels like Marley's legacy. <laughs> that's what she said. She said, well, I said, I said this actually, I was like, what we've been doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. Right, because rates of sexual assault are not declining, mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. something I said as well, because it's it's hard for people to understand why someone might do this unless unless it's not. <laughs> do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So something I said was like, forgiveness is not the same thing as justification. I actually said that, and when I said mm -hmm. that, they all went, "Oh, okay," and. I just shared, I think that rape is so bad that we need to try things differently because what we're doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. And essentially they battled it out for my case for like a month. They were like, I'm taking it. No, I'm taking it. And eventually, and I had no idea. I just had to sit back and be like, I'm either dropping the charges or I'm doing this epic mm -hmm. like, history making process. And eventually mm -hmm. I got a call and this was one of the most healing moments of my life. Like I got mm -hmm. a call from my lawyer and he said um we're doing it 
Like we're doing your assailant starting therapy right away. And when you're both ready, you'll meet in this circle. And I just started freaking crying because like I shared at the beginning, when Mm -hmm. I think of my younger self, like Mm -hmm. she had a way of seeing the world and that Mm -hmm. way was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then with time and with trauma, I feel like I started judging that view. I was like, that view is naive. That view is incompatible with our world. And this was like the system transforming itself to fit my heart. And so that was so healing. Wow. Oh my goodness. This is so iconic on, on so many levels. Fuck. <laughs> <sighs> wow. I mean, I have so many questions, but the one question I want to kind of dive into is tell me about the moment that you, that you saw them again Yeah. and, and what that was like. And, and in the next question, we, which perhaps you can kind of just like bring it all together in this, it's like, this wisdom that you had in those moments, like how did you, how did you acquire such like heart wisdom at such a young age? Jesus Christ, honey. (laughs) Talk about about a radical living saint, honey. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. I love you. Um, (laughs) I love you too, honey. Mm. (laughs) I, okay. So, so basically, from the moment I got that phone call, mm-hmm, and keep in mind, like, three years between the assault and, the, and this restorative justice outcome, I was, I want to say I was do or die healing in that time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I'm either not going to be able to get through this, or I'm mm-hmm. going to come out more fucking epic than ever. And um, I really did. Like, I, I immersed myself in everything from, like, somatic healing to working with an Indigenous elder. I was studying social work already, so becoming very aware of, like, rape culture and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, did my yoga certification, not with the intention of teaching, just with the, the, the need for community mm-hmm. in that time. Um, so, so many, so many different things I was doing in that time. Mm. And, um, so when I got that phone call that it was happening, I, I feel like I entered celebration mode, like a really deep, like, I, like I did it. Like I did. And I felt like I, I was birthing my, what I came here to birth, right? Like my Dharma, my purpose. I was like, this is like, wow. Um, so there was maybe like a six month period of that energy. And then about two weeks before the actual circle, I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, am I actually going to do this? Like my really mm-hmm. horrible mm-hmm. human self was like, I've only seen this person during the assault in court. And that's it. I like, it was so um, scary to me. And when I went into that room, the, the of actual, course. Yeah. The actual restorative justice circle, I remember like the chairs had wheels on them and my body was shaking. And I was like, I can't like this chair is going to be shaking (laughs) all over the room. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But what I'll say, and this is part of why I'm like so passionate about people knowing about restorative justice, because I feel like the the punitive system is embodying everything we're trying to end, Mm. like dehumanization. And then restorative justice is embodying everything 
we're trying to reclaim and like reignite, right? Like care, consent, mm-hmm. space for our feelings. Like, of course we have freaking feelings around the deepest traumas of our life. Like that's right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it was incredible. So there was two mediators in that circle. Mm-hmm. And then restorative justice also acknowledges that more than just any two people in any dynamic are harmed by a trauma. So my mom was in that circle. My sister was in that circle, not just as supporters, but as people who were also affected. Oh my God. Full body chills. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Mm, 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 and mm. I think that's so important. Like mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. mom's life was changed. This change, this was the biggest, I, I think I can say like one of the biggest catalysts in my mom's life for her own healing journey. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they were in the circle. My assailant was there. Um, I would name him for humanizing sake, but there's a non-disclosure agreement. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so and, um, and his friend was there as well. And the guardian angel crown attorney, who the prosecutor who had asked me, what's your highest dream vision? She was there. Now a dear sister. I love her. And my lawyer who made it happen. So mm-hmm. that was who was in the circle. And I will say that it was really fucking hard. Like I always remind people at the end of the day, in our ideal world, we're not choosing the way to address sexual violence. We're just mm-hmm. not having sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Right. So I won't ever like sugarcoat that restorative justice circle. It was really hard and it was mm-hmm. really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, my body was shaking and everything. But mm-hmm. first thing the mediators did was they said, everyone write down three values on a piece of paper, put that in the middle. One of the ones he wrote was courage. One of the ones I wrote was love. I actually took those pieces of paper home with me and like glued them on one box. And I was like, wow, this is a tangible, the only tangible thing representing mm-hmm. this whole journey. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. and they, the mediators only asked one, one, one question and it was what brought you here today? And we took eight hours going around the circle, speaking to that one question. Fuck. Oh my <laughs> God, my love. Wow. Bless you for your courage. And in that, with that question, with that space, you know, that's a profoundly healing space that we, I mean, restorative justice. I'm so happy you're educating me and our entire audience about the terminology. Um, so the, the, in that space, the, the words, I forgive you came out of your mouth and did it come out of their mouth? Like, what was that was, and also in that, in those eight hours, did you notice a change of hearts taking place? Did you notice your perspective, ex, your perspective expanding? You know, we say in, in Buddhist psychology that the entire purpose of the healing journey, uh, in, in one reality from one point of reality is to just um, delete, eradicate, decolonize our minds from the partial view and to open ourselves up to the wide view. And what you're doing with everything you've done, with the legacy that you've created for yourself, and now that we all get to be blessed by your legacy, it's you've opened us up to understand that partial view leads to more harm. And mm-hmm. it's the wide view that leads to 
restorative, a, a new world, a healing world, a heart-based world, a world where we recognize that we're all Buddhists, that we all get caught up in this amnesia, we all make harmful mistakes, and and then what? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that moment, in that room, in that space, did you notice? sort of this like psychosomatic response and did you notice these you know this psychological unraveling like what can i can i like get a a, a peek into your internal world in that for during that day you know during those eight hours oh my gosh 100 mm. <laughs> all of that yeah <laughs> uh, mm, mm, yeah mm. um Wow. So I almost feel like the first, because some people, they hear it was eight hours and they're like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. It's so long. And I'm, I'm like, it, I needed it to be eight hours exactly for the reason you're saying. Like There was such a deep process happening on so many levels and it needed that time and space. And I feel like the first maybe four hours, oof, yeah, we're, we're, a purge, like a really intense, like get out all this shit, mm-hmm. like literally like from the depths of my body, like mm-hmm. get out all this shit and like mm-hmm. put it in the circle and try to, and then we can try to sort it out or transmute mm-hmm. it. But like, mm-hmm. that was the focus in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just like that, that there was like a literal talking piece we passed around and there was this actual sense of um, like, this is my, this is my moment. Like this is like, I get to speak. I get to reclaim voice and speak everything that um, yeah, had felt lost. And so that was definitely what the beginning was like. And we went around in the circle in order so he was the last person to speak and wow i'll just i'll just share i don't always share this but I, it feels like right to share it um so Please. he mm-hmm. yeah he was um he basically shared that he suppressed what happened right away and i know we hear this all the times with people who are harmed where we like repress something and then years later we remember, but I didn't know, I actually didn't know that could be a thing for the person who causes harm. And he mm-hmm. said he right away, and it makes sense. Cause that, that deep guilt and shame, if, mm-hmm. if someone's actually feeling that, like actually mm-hmm. feeling it, that's a lot. So mm-hmm. he said he suppressed it and that he actually felt like a victim when he was charged. And, um, at the same time, we were both in this very depressive journey mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. almost wanting to take our lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's so miraculous. Like in the circle, I was like, and that is one parallel reality that could have happened. And instead, we're both here, like in mm-hmm. this circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he shared that. And then he didn't, he didn't unlock he used the word unlock the memory of what happened until mm-hmm. a woman a friend in his life went to him mm-hmm. and said mm-hmm. that she was sexually assaulted and she kept telling him um it's my fault it's my fault like this self-blame narrative and he said to her it's not your fault and right when he said that to her he said all the memories unlocked 
and he remembered the, all the details of this sexual assault and in the circle that's mm-hmm. and and it, you oh my gosh like for me as he's sharing this mm-hmm. I, when he was sharing mm-hmm. that he suppressed it I didn't really know if he was gonna shift his narrative like I didn't really know if he was gonna say and then I remembered right so for a second mm-hmm. I was like oh mm-hmm. my god like were we totally wrong mm-hmm. to be here? Like, mm-hmm. should he be in mm-hmm. prison? Like, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I literally felt like my body was like turning to stone, like so tense. And then mm-hmm. when his narrative shifted and he said all the memories unlocked, it was like, um, set like a, un, like a knot untying in my body. Mm-hmm. So, so, so deep. Like I did not even know. That was there. When that happened, I was like, that knot could have been cancer one day. Like, that's mm-hmm. literally what it mm-hmm. felt like. That's right. And, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he looked at me in that moment. And he was like, um, I, I sexually assaulted you. And I'm so sorry. And there's nothing I can do to take it back. And I hope that being here today can help. And I just started bawling. It was a literal relief. It was like literally, it felt like ancient um, wounding just being let go yeah oh my god wow and then the second half of the mm-hmm. circle then it was like that was the pivotal moment and then the second half it was like we cleared all the shit and then the light could re-enter and it was like um mm-hmm. it got really beautiful <laughs> like I again I don't always share it like this because it there I don't know it's just certain spaces um mm-hmm. but it you're did. home it here was, my love you're home oh, here thank you I feel yeah. that I'm like this is the space share mm-hmm. share it all no filter um so yeah it got to a point where where we did speak about forgiveness and I was mm-hmm. like I, I was I do feel forgiveness and I feel compassion and I actually use the language like I have love for everyone in this room and that really blew like that really blew my mind when I said that because I didn't know that was possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah oh so that was really powerful and then he's shared at one point I said to him you need to make meaning out of this in the same way that I have because I've committed my life now to helping women reclaim sensuality like sharing this message, this story, all of that. And uh, I was like, you're not, you're not going to prison. So do something with this. And there was a point where he said, I want to help stop sexual violence. And I don't know if that's happening or when that's happening. But in that moment, it was like the miracle. Like, wow. That's right. That's right. The seed was planted, or some would say that the seed was watered. You know, in in Buddhist uh, psychology, we say that the seed of complete awakening is always there. Doesn't matter how much harm the person has done to the countless beings that they've harmed, the seed of enlightenment is always there. You know, um, so one could say that in a moment, your words were the perfect amount of sunlight and the perfect amount of water for that seed of enlightenment of liberation to to start to sprout, you know? What else do we want with the legacy of our lives than to be the correct amount of sunlight and the correct amount of water 
for, for that seat of enlightenment that's at the base of everyone's hearts, you know? And you being able to sit in front of somebody who's caused tremendous harm to you, to your family, to your friends, and, and to the grid system, right? Because we're profoundly interdependent and interconnected. That you're able to, in that moment, recognize that someone's actions and behavior isn't who they are at the base of their being. And being able to dismantle that narrative and say, your actions were fucking harmful. And at the base of your being, you're not a monster. You're not, you're not a demonic entity. You are a Buddha who forgot, right? Am I over speaking here? That's exactly it. And I, I literally am like tripping out a bit because I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like I dreamed this exact mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. um, you're healing me right now. I hope you know. I hope you know. You're um, like, yeah, I'm like on the verge of tears. I'm just trying to pull it together because I have to just stay in my game to hold space for you and to, for this entire thing. But you are literally giving me keys to locked rooms right now. So thank God for you, honey. Oh, I love you. Yeah, I want to be you're, together in person. Yeah. You're so <laughs> profound. Well, I'm, I'll i share off the record, but we might just be really close to each other as of Sunday, honey. So just saying. <laughs> okay. So 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 tell me about the Huffington Post article um, that you wrote. I struggle not to give in to constant self-blame. Mm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, because I think... I think the, the, the liberatory path says enough with the blame, you know, how do we go about the healing now? How do I say this happened, coma, here's what I've done with that trauma. Here's how I've turned my life around and how I created poetry, how I created music, how I created a beautiful, iconic, legendary, sensual dance with everything that's happened. So will you speak about what you wrote to the, in that article? And, and I love that such big iconic media platforms have helped, have given you the space to share such a, it's, it's a, a radical, a radical story. It's not even the, the right words. It's just something that we, we never want to talk about, to bring to light. And and the, 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 how vital your story is and how vital your legacy and what you're doing. And, uh, oh, my God. I'm just, like, melting <laughs> you, honey. Ah! Ah! <laughs> like that. So speak about this. Like, how, how, how did you, like, not give in to the self-blame? And how did you go into this next stage? And, and then we can talk a little bit about, about you know, um, the natural law of karma says these challenges happen as opportunities for us to grow, right? And these challenges happen as, as consequence of our past lives, of all of our past actions. So there is this like this, this gray area of self-blame and blaming. And then how do we just sort of like dismantle and, and truly enter this evolutionary perspective that we all have access to, you know? Mm -hmm. And it requires us to say, I'm in pain, this happened, this is real. But the truth of it is is the heart, is the, is the path of liberation, is, is the recognition that all people are Buddhists with a little bit of amnesia, you know? And are we going to be part of the amnesia or are we going to be someone who is, who is such a fucking bright light that we're dis, dismantling the cloud of amnesia, right? So speak to this, my love, and thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Wow, so much, definitely. I feel like 
I feel like so much death had to happen for me mm. before mm. that rebirth can happen. Mm. And um, there was this period for sure where it was just like all these things were dying away. And, and some of that was real and some of it was false. For example, like, like hope falling away. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, that didn't actually fully fall away, but there were some um, delusions I had about the world. And I really was like this kind of spiritual being before I was always very, um, like I found yoga and Eckhart Tolle in, when I was 15 and I would skip high school to go to hot yoga. I was like, fuck oh high school. Oh my God. Yes. But I was in the love and light only space. I was in the like bypassing, like everyone's my brother, everyone's my sister, everything's beautiful. And I, I didn't have any deep connection to my body, to groundedness, Mm -hmm, to like mm -hmm. somatic anything. I didn't have any respect and honor for my anger, my sadness, like Mm -hmm. all these different things. And so that needed to die away. Like that, that level of bypassing did need Mm -hmm. to die away. Um, But I think the most pivotal things for me, I'm thinking of two things. And one Mm -hmm. was creation. It was like there was so much grief moving through me that I could either like die from it or create with it. And then hand in hand with that was meaning and like this language of it has, it's, it has to be bigger than myself or it is bigger than myself. And those two things combined, I really feel are what saved me. And that started with like, I essentially published my journal. Like I wrote all these dark, dark, dark poems in a journal. And I was like, no one's ever going to see these. I had so much shame back then around my darkness. And I was like, no one can see these. And then I eventually published it because I met people who were like suffering and feeling alone in that. And I was like, wow, I I think this is needed. I think it's needed for me to share Mm -hmm. this. Mm Mm-hmm. So that gave me an anchor. It was like, well, you have to at least keep going in life until you get this book out. Just, just do that. And then it was like, by the time I got there, I was, I was in such a more empowered and healed state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that continues. It's like, whenever I'm feeling big fucking feels, I create with it. Whether it's da- like ballads are my favorite music. Cause I'm just mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, like feeling so much and letting my body move and dance or song or a coaching or creating programs or retreats. Like it's just that um, creation is what, what keeps me going. I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. And talk about the, the releasing of like, you know, cause you talk a lot about body image and shame for survivors of, of trauma. Right. Um, how did you find compassion for yourself in, in the way that you're able to reclaim the temple that you're in? Yeah, that's a huge one. I'm super, super, super passionate about. And I actually think that subconsciously that is what led me to Eckhart Tolle and hot yoga when I was like 14, whatever, um, was my own struggles with body image. And I grew up in the world of competitive dance and there's just so much messaging around 
aesthetics and finding your worth. I mean, we all get that finding your worth in the way that you look. And um, that was always there in my life, that pain around body image and deep insecurity was always there. And then when trauma happened, it was like, now this is essential in turn, like now this needs to be addressed because I really, I really started harming my body with, with, um, restricting or with binging. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was so mad at my body. I was really, really mad at my body, like for freezing, for my survival response of freezing during that assault. Mm -hmm. I was so mad at my body. Like I literally Mm -hmm. took all my anger and put it towards myself. Mm -hmm. And so part of that healing journey that I went on was really focused on that. It's like, I need to learn about um, body image and on a a practical level, like seeing the ways that my body image stuff was just a result of rape culture and a very profitable diet weight loss industry, like putting these pieces together of, oh, these are just internalized messages. They don't, Mm. they don't even belong to me. Like, I don't need to care. This isn't even my shit. It's just like the collective messaging that I've taken in over a lifetime. And so, again, I started healing through education um, and impact making. I started working at the National Eating Disorder Information Center where we deliver presentations on body image to educators and to youth. We teach them how to use social media in a way that protects their self-esteem Um, I worked a helpline for body image. And as I did that work, I just became, I became an advocate around body image first. And then it like just translated into my life. And then that combined with the really deep somatic healing work I was already doing to try and heal from trauma was like, okay, I just started having so much, um, reverence for this body. I'm like, she's so resilient. Like this body's been through so much and she still allows me to dance and walk all over the world and mm-hmm. have gorgeous connections and mm-hmm. I just totally reframed the way I why, the way I exist in this body mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you think anyone can heal from sexual trauma big question yeah I do I 100% do and I think that healing is such an ongoing lifelong process or even a relationship like it's and same with body love too like I think sometimes we have this vision of a destination we're like mm-hmm. am I there yet am I healed yet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I almost see it as a relationship and it's something to put care and love into every day and sometimes that relationship will give us joy and sometimes it will be like oh my fucking relationship is so annoying right now right um mm-hmm. But I do think that healing is 100% possible. And I think that survivors do need representation around people who are thriving despite trauma. And I I really like, I know you're such a gorgeous Mm -hmm. advocate and embodiment of joy as well. And I really value that because Mm -hmm. I want to show other survivors, like I feel fucking ecstatic joy. Like I love my body. I love Mm -hmm. existing. I have a beautiful Mm -hmm. relationship to my sexuality. And I think that, that representation doesn't get shared enough. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to something that I speak about often, but I'm curious to hear your perspective. Do you think every hardship, every trauma, 
every harmful experience that we have, do you think at, at its core they're blessings in drag? I love that line, first of all, <laughs> so much. Mm. Um, I do, and I acknowledge that it, it doesn't always feel like that. But I do, like when I, when I look back, I, I mean, I feel like I can say that 100% about my own life and then with other people's lives, I'm like, can I say that? But I, mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. feel that. And looking back, I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? Like all of that shit. It's like the universe was like, I told you, just keep trusting in me because you're going to land mm-hmm. in the most gorgeous place. You're going to land in your purpose and your mm-hmm. empowerment. You just mm-hmm, have to mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. get through this shit. And and I think you asked mm-hmm, a question mm-hmm. before about these moments of like guidance within my story. And I always felt mm-hmm. that. It was a very clear mm-hmm. moment right after mm-hmm. the rape where I was standing outside my friend's room and I was about to knock on her door and tell her what happened. And mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. I stood there for 20 minutes with my hand raised to knock. And I was mm-hmm. so like, I was so frozen in a moment. Mm-hmm. And I had this voice of guidance and really feels like this like spirit, beautiful mm-hmm. force of love being like, knock now and tell her, or you might not ever tell anyone, mm-hmm. right? There are so many people who never mm-hmm. break silence around mm-hmm. their trauma and mm-hmm. the shame just lives and lives. Mm-hmm. And so I obviously did knock and I, I see now like looking back and I've been working on writing my my memoir like writing the story in my own words and looking back I'm like every single piece was so important mm-hmm. and essential and mm-hmm. synchronistic like wildly synchronistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that and this leads me to to reflect back to you on a quote that you wrote uh, recently on Instagram you said your feelings deserve to be met with love over judgment um, and I think this is very clear that now you're you're meeting when these painful memories arise in your mind, when challenging feelings surface in your body, when destructive thoughts populate your mind. You are coming from a place where your your internal uh, world is meeting all of these phenomena, all these stimuli with love, not judgment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so cool because I'm seeing the full circleness of that. Um, reflection because it's like that is the exact shift in our own bodies from punitive to restorative right like our system is all about punishing everything that's bad exiling it saying like fuck you we're gonna throw you away and never look at you again and isn't that what we all do in our bodies all the time where we're like oh my god this part of me is like disgusting and not worthy of love like I'm gonna try to shove it in a corner and never look at it and get on with my day Instead of that restore, like restorative approach of like, hey, like looking at that part, hey, what's going on here? What do you need right now? Why are you, you know, why are you feeling like this? What's up? Let's talk. Let's heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. Oh my god. Uh, one more quote from you that I love from Instagram. I love knowing that trauma didn't break me. It lit a fucking match. I'm paraphrasing Nicole. You said freaking, but I'm saying fucking. <laughs> it lit a fucking fire in me to to anchor such beauty on this earth, to remember our power to transform anything into love. I love this quote. I love this. I'm gonna say it again. 
I love knowing that trauma didn't break me. It lit a freaking fire in me to anchor such beauty on this earth, to remember our power to transform anything in all caps into love. Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. Do you think that everyone could get to this point? I know I keep asking the same question, but I just wanted to, to, because you've lived, you know, and everything that I've been able to build today is because I've lived through suicidal depression. I've lived through multi, multiple kinds of trauma, sexual trauma involved in a variety of different ways, um, addiction, anxiety, you know, um, and I can be here today with access to this ecstatic joy only because of what happened. You know, they were, they were the catalyst to me actually tasting the nectar and knowing that like, oh, okay, honey, this is the real juice. This is what the mystics have been talking about. Okay. I'm getting a little, you know, like you, you have a little droplet, you know, those little, you buy a tincture with a little droplet. And then when you start to like do the work, you're, you get one little drop. Ooh, honey, this is nice. Okay. Let's keep going. And all of a sudden you're able to. You're able to like really experience that in every area of your life. And, and people look at me sometimes, and I'm sure they look at you too. And that's why I want you to sort of like reinforce the potential that we all have. Be this bright fucking mirror of like, yo, you could do this too. Like your life does not need to be a repetitive cycle of pain and suffering. You can say, I'm stopping the cycle of lack of forgiveness, of, of revenge, of, of harm going forward in my life. I'm being the, I am that person who's saying enough is enough, you know? So I would love to just hear you say this, just speak to this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do a hundred percent. And this is why I'm like fucking in love with my work. And I, and I know you are too. It's like, I get to show up and witness that reclamation. And I feel like midwife, like I feel like I'm a midwife for women's sensual reclamation mm -hmm. um, and their reclamation of, of feeling turned on and lit up and alive and grateful and fully here and free. And um, I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like, there's no tangible way to encapsulate someone's whole transformation, but I feel like the best or the clearest way I see it. And it just gives me so much life is like, in the way women will dance. And I mean anyone, but I specifically work with women. So that's why I'm saying that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like often at the beginning of, of a woman's journey, healing trauma, healing a lifetime of shame, there's that like inward contractiveness and there's that like restriction and not wanting to take up space and stiffness and like maybe a little side to side step touch dancing. And then mm -hmm. by the end of of our time working together, but not just through our time, but through their own transformation, through their own healing, through their own homecoming, mm -hmm. all of a sudden their hair's down, maybe their shirt's off, they're like wild, they're free, they're moving, like no inhibition, their eyes are closed, they're in their body, they're feeling, they're just like letting themselves be moved. And that to me is the most beautiful moment of like, wow, you can mm -hmm. really see the, re the embodied reclamation. Mm -hmm. I love that word, I, reclamation. Mm -hmm. Me too. And I do, I do think that's possible for everyone if we want it, if we choose. I mean, I think we all want it, but I think if we choose it, and I talked about before, like that fork in the road moment for me, that's right. where I was like, I'm either 
going to take my life or become bitter, give up all these things, or I'm going to stay and make it fucking epic and have a good time and help anchor that beauty here in the earth. And um, I think we do all have that, that moment where we have to choose. And when we do choose love and healing, it's like the most beautiful thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. So beautiful. Ah, Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me what makes you feel sexy. Top things that makes you feel sexy every day. Yay. Um, dancing, for sure. For sure, dancing. The fact that my hair is pink. Like, I was like, I want, I need my hair to be pink. And even just, like, little things, like wearing sparkles on my face. It's kind of, I just bought these sparkly vans, and I mm-hmm. feel like when I'm walking in them, I'm, like, literally walking, like, a path, like a sparkly path. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> my favorite, favorite, favorite. Because, like I was saying, I used to be so rigid. And this is part, just one reason why I resonate with your existence and your teaching so much mm. because you're, you're you and you're doing it in a way that feels amazing and true for you. And it's so beautiful. And I used to be so rigid about what I'm supposed to do in order to be enlightened or whatever and it was so rigid and it was not what my body and spirit really wanted and so like one of my favorite practices literally is putting on the queens like Beyonce, Lizzo, Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga, whoever and just strutting through the street on the beat of the music that is my Mm -hmm. favorite practice Mm -hmm. and I call it my sexy mindful neighborhood strut. Mm, Love it oh my god yes. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. I call her the spiritual supermodel, honey. (laughs) So let her come, let her strut, you know. Um, I love that. And tell me the top things that make you feel magnetic. Because magnetism is a a byproduct of healing. Uh, But I I always just bring that question because some people get really philosophical and some people are just like, you know kind of mathematical, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever place you want to take this, please. Mm-hmm. What makes me really magnetic? Um, I think I have a natural, uh, like zest for life, like a natural excitement and like, oh my gosh, like I'm alive. And, and there's been times in my life where I've suppressed that for fear of being too much, mm-hmm. this kind of thing. And oh, so honey. Mm-hmm. when I just let myself be like, I don't know, like a, so, so theatrical, like a Broadway star, like a Disney, I'm like, wow, I'm like twirling in circles kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like when I don't hold back on that, it's, it's really just something that wants to come through my spirit. And when I don't hold it back, when I don't suppress it or put a cap on it, and I'm just like letting that expression free, I feel like that's when people are like, oh, I like, I like her. Like, she's mm-hmm. cool. I like what she's mm-hmm. doing over there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that. Mm-hmm. That's so beautifully put. Oh, my God. Love it. Same for me. Same for me. 100%. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm involving the community and what it means to be spiritually assessed. And of course, as we, as for every guest, you know, we, we do a great job at, at seeing if the person embodies what it means to be spiritually sassy. And you clearly do. That's why you're here. But we love hearing from the experts. What does it mean to be spiritually sassy? Mm. 
First of all, I love just, I think it's a revolutionary miracle to put those words side by side. I feel like it's like an ancient reunion. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Two friends named Spiritually and named Sassy, and they're like, I missed you. I can't believe we've been separated all these years, and it's so beautiful. Um, I guess I think of, and this is honestly one of the biggest things I teach women and I remind myself is permission to be fully multifaceted and to realize that every part of ourselves can coexist, every single part of ourselves. Like my inner bitch who's like ill can coexist with my like spiritual, heart-centered, enlightened, magical self. And I think just so often we're asked by others or we put pressure on ourselves to choose. We're like, well, I'm a, I have to be one of these things. Mm-hmm. I just have to be one of these things. And the beauty is when we're all of it. And that's what I feel like spiritually sassy is. It's like be all of it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh my goodness. Love it. So tell us uh, before we go, what are you working on? Where can we find you and like all the amazing work you're doing, all the ways you're helping the world? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely follow me on Instagram. That's like one of my favorite places for expression and dance and all these quotes that it's so cool to have my Instagram quotes read back to me. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> you got that good, good shit, honey. It's like good, good. <laughs> so definitely follow me there. It's Marley Liss. And um, if you hit the link in my bio, you'll be able to find a free training on body love. And I know we were talking about that and really just skimming the surface around what that healing and reclamation looks like and involves. So get yourself a free training on body love reclamation and um, dive deep into that. So link in my bio for that and like connect with me. I always remind people I'm a human. Send me a message. Tell me hi. Tell me what you loved about this or Mm -hmm, what confuses mm -hmm. you. People always have so many questions around my story. They're like, she did what now? Like, <laughs> so connect with me. Instagram, free training, body love. love. Oh, and I'll share it that my um, <laughs> that my my gorgeous deep dive program is called the Sensual Wholeness Academy, and I work with women for four months at a time, usually like fifteen to twenty women, and it's the fucking best thing ever. And we do all this work from body love to transforming traumas to reclaiming voice around boundaries desires consent around how to heal um once we heal ourselves how do we want to share that in relationships mm-hmm. how do we want to become embodied leaders in the world so these are all part of what i do oh my god what a joy oh my goodness well thank god for you and thank you so much for for coming on the show honey oh my gosh my absolute pleasure i'm not even gonna lie like i was so full out manifesting this for I think a year because I just felt your spirit and your energy and I was like I'm so happy this human exists and I need to connect with them and their amazing community oh my god well thank god for you and thank you so much because it's been truly like legendary to say the very least you know like wow thank you for living uh, you know, being an embodied uh, a healer, you know, someone who, who you have, you, you are, people can trust you, you know, mm. people can trust you because you've lived through it and 
And that's just so beautiful, you know, so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for truly when I'm, when I'm thinking about the glittery shoes, the Vans glittery ones, like, girl, you don't need the fucking shoes, honey. You're dropping the fucking gems, the glitter, the honey, all everywhere you go because you've lived through it and you've chosen the path um, of forgiveness, the path of the heart. You've chosen the path of, of, of decolonizing of our, of our psyche of the expansion of our heart. And because of that, I have to truly applaud you and, you know, may the blessings of all the Buddhas continue to orient your life and, 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 you know, pour into your, your mind and continuously open your heart. Cause it's truly remarkable what you've done. And I don't say this lightly at all, honey. It's a little like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank, you, thank 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 you. Thank you. I feel like I was just in a light shower, like the whole room. Like, ah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I love you. And I can't wait to see you in person at some point. Same. I love you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to know you. And 100% let's dance together in person and just create magic. Hell yeah. Okay, peace. Mwah. Mwah.